Welcome back to the Stoplight Approach Podcast, where brain science is made simple. I am your host, Sarah Ganger. Today on the podcast, we will be discussing chapter two of the Signals book. But just in case you haven't read chapter two, you could stop here and go back and listen to season one, episode one, which would give you a little bit of a framework uh, for what we're discussing today. So chapter two of Signals is titled, The Heart of Stoplight, Relationship. Joining me today to discuss this chapter is my husband, Tim. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. So this chapter starts with a um, story that every parent can relate to, and that is a story of um, a bunch of kids in the backseat of a car arguing and fighting and bickering, and the parent gets more and more frustrated until they just start yelling at everyone to be quiet. Um, As I read it, I absolutely could picture scenarios that were exactly like that with um, us and our children. And so it was very relatable. Um, But I was going to see if you could kind of give a explanation of a way that we have learned to talk about behavior Um, and some of, especially these negative behaviors like fighting in the backseat of a car that has helped us to understand more about it than just at what it appears on the surface. Yeah, an analogy that's been really helpful for us is the analogy of smoke and fire. One of the first things that you see and is a clear sign that there's a problem is smoke. If you ever see smoke, you know something bad is happening. But the smoke isn't really actually what the problem is. Uh, it's just the, the sign that there's something wrong. And so the idea of the, is that we oftentimes get really frustrated with the smoke. We, we get really frustrated with the behavior, especially if it's something that we don't want to be happening right mm-hmm. in that moment. And the reality is, is there's actually a fire that's causing the smoke. And so really getting through the smoke, not getting distracted by the smoke, that doesn't mean you don't have to address it, but understand that that's not where it ends. You really have to get down to where the fire actually is. And and once you can get down to that level, then you're actually putting out the fire and putting out the the smoke as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been so helpful for me, like, especially reading this chapter, because I thought, you know, she talks about how um, in the in the backseat of the car with the kids fighting, you know, the the obviously the smoke was the bickering and the and the fighting in the backseat. But, you know, the, the fire was that they were hungry and that they had been in the car all day and that they were tired and needed to get out and have a break. And. You know, someone had had a book that they wanted to read, which would help them pass the time with their boredom or, or whatever. And so, yeah, this this framework of smoke and fire has been so helpful for us in understanding behavior. And um, it's funny when you think about it, because like you said, the smoke still has to be addressed. Like smoke can do a lot of damage. Like it can make you cough. It can, you know, um, decrease your ability to get oxygen. It can cause a big old mess in in your home or wherever the smoke is and still getting rid of the smoke isn't going to help you unless you put out the fire um and so the other thing that she mentions kind of talking about this idea of um behavior as just kind of the outward sign of what's going on and needing to look a little bit deeper is um something that really stuck out to me was the difference between like responding and reacting 
And with responding, you kind of take time to like patiently think, okay, what might be going on? How can I respond to this in a way that's helpful? Um, which it, versus reacting, which is usually comes out as frustration or annoyance or, you know, harshness or just something that's just very quick, a very quick reaction. And um, I was going to see if you could share, like, what are some behaviors that you sort of have that quick reaction you know, of, of frustration versus um, something that you can kind of respond to, take that step back and kind of evaluate and respond to thoughtfully? Yeah, there, <clears throat> I, I think that the one, the first thing that comes to my mind in terms of me uh, reacting is when I feel like somebody's being disrespectful mm. or rude. That, that's a pretty quick reaction for me. And usually that's me being pretty upset. Uh, and, and it is really instantaneous when it happens. And, and you know, for me, that can be uh, usually words, but it can be tone, sarcasm, eye roll. Yeah. Uh, disrespect can come in a lot of different ways. But that's a big trigger for me where I react. Uh, so I have to be really aware of that mm-hmm. to try to make sure I don't react in those situations because typically we found is usually it's not even necessarily directed towards you. It's so often a result of something else which has happened. And as wild as it sounds is because you're a person who will always love them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get the brunt of their frustration. And so so that's hard. That's hard. Um, I think an area that I'm better able to handle in terms of respond to uh, is when my kids are sad. And I think because uh, we have a, a pretty joyful, happy home. And so when, when, when one of the kids is close to tears, for whatever reason that is, that's something that I feel like I can address more quickly because it, it's a really obvious sign of, of sadness, difficulty, maybe being overwhelmed. But that, that allows me, I think, to be in a different mindset that I can really begin to comfort, ask questions, rather than just react to a situation. Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. Both of those are, um, yeah, I can picture, like, the, the situations where that might arise. And I've been, I was thinking about, like, my reactions. So often um, the, the kind of, like, quick like harsh, frustrated responses that just kind of re- I react to really quickly um, are often for me, it's being when I feel like I'm being ignored. Mm. So yeah. I'll say something or, you know, give an instruction or make a request or even just, you know, kind of say something that I would expect a, re- a response for and I get nothing. Um, and so that's one of those moments where I'm very tempted to just be like, did you hear me? You know, or just a really kind of sharp, um, harsh reaction. So I have to really like try to rein that in and Mm -hmm. say, okay, wait, like, 
did they actually hear me, you know, or is there, rather than assuming that I'm being ignored, which is how it feels, and that's what, you know, kind of makes me want to jump to a reaction, um, really having to pull pull that back and say, wait, like, let me pause, but that is, that's really hard for me. Um, something that's a little bit easier for me to respond to is when I can I when I can tell that one of our children is overwhelmed, mm. and so overwhelm in our house often comes out looking very like very frustrated, um, very annoyed, very you know angry even whether it's over a school assignment or whether it's over a, a project or a task or a chore. Um, being overwhelmed can have really big uh, amount to really big feelings in our family. And, and at the same time, for the most part, I'm able to kind of take a step back and say, okay, this seems like in this situation, there's some overwhelm Hmm. and there's some, um, there's just a, a person that needs some help figuring out either how to break down the task or how to address, you know, the next step Mm -hmm. that they're stuck on. Um, but all of that, you know, takes that moment of pause to, to think about and respond rather than just react. And it's, it's really a habit Mm -hmm. that we have to develop because, um, because yeah, so often it's just not, it doesn't come naturally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, one story that was told in the chapter that I kind of wanted to talk to you about was. There was a story about um, a situation where a child had taken a treat and had consumed it without the parent's permission or knowledge. And then the parent said, you know, basically was pretty upset because it was supposed to be a special treat for a special occasion. And the temptation was when the child afterwards, when the child came to the parent and said, like, um, I want to spend some time with you, the temptation was to distance. To say I don't I don't want to spend time with you, you know you did something that that I didn't like that disappointed me and hurt me because I had saved that for something special, um, and it just really resonated with me because I thought like how often do we do that like when something there's some sort of break in our relationship with our kids something happens and our tendency is to kind of like distance ourselves. Um, and so I was just going to share if you, or I was going to ask if you had any kind of um, situations where that's been a temptation for you and what did that look like and, and maybe how did you, you know, overcome that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that has definitely happened. Uh, I will say more than once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I think I just want, I did want to say uh, there, there is a time where it is, it may be really important for you to walk away mm-hmm. uh, when you are just all of a sudden you're you know you're reacting and you also know your reaction is potentially really damaging uh, the best thing to do many times is to walk away mm-hmm. it is to move yourself away now you're doing that temporarily so that you can get out of red mm-hmm. and get back into green but uh, once you're back into green you want to come back because because you, you need to address the situation you need to work through those things. I think one of the things that's so important in that is is kids are they're not great at verbalizing all the things that they want that they need 
but then also in terms of how do you repair something? How, mm-hmm. how do you fix something? And I think many times the way kids want to do that is simply by being close to you. Mm-hmm. They, they want to be next to you in some some way, shape, or form because that feels that that uh, it's a it's a physical closeness mm-hmm. that in their minds also means uh, a relational closeness yeah. together, which simply makes the relationship the focal point. And that's the reason why this is all about relationships. Yeah, it's um, it's so important, like you said, like the stoplight starts with me. So in that moment where there's been that disruption, you know, maybe the child has done something that was really disappointing or um, really hard to deal with. Um, like you said, you know, sometimes you have to walk away, but it's not for the purpose of like distancing yourself relationally to punish. It's saying, I need to get myself to green. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. to make sure that I can respond to this in a green way. So I'm going to just take a moment and remove myself so that I can make sure that I'm doing what I need to do to stay in green. Um, and, and then kind of Bridging that gap once you've made sure that you're in green is so mm-hmm. very, very important. Um, and modeling that for a child saying, you know, it's okay to take a break. And it's also so very important for us to get back together mm-hmm. and for that relationship to be restored. Because the behaviors, you know, can disrupt things and it can kind of cause some friction for a while, but nothing is more important than our relationship. Mm -hmm. Nothing is more important than us being connected as parent and child. And there's nothing that you can do that's going to stop that relationship from being connected and together because that's what's most important. And, um, yeah, so this chapter, you know, the key was relationships trump behavior and it doesn't mean that we don't address behavior it doesn't mean that we don't teach skills that kids need to make better choices it doesn't mean any of that it just means that I'm going to always look underneath at the person at the child I'm going to always consider our relationship and how that's going to be impacted first before I address behavior um and that's really just the, the crux. If we can kind of learn and train to keep the relationship first and primary and focus on the, the person, the child, then, um, yeah, it, it kind of makes everything fall into place. Saying that, how hard is that to actually do? Yeah, it's, it's really hard. It, and I think that that's why listening to a podcast like this or and, and reading a book like this is really helpful because I think it, one is it makes you realize you're not alone when you struggle with those things. I think a lot of times we think, my gosh, I'm a terrible parent. And the reality is, is that no, you're, you're, you're just struggling with parenting like everyone else is. Yeah. Uh, and it's not even just with parenting. It's really can be with any number of relationships, a, a coworker, other family members, uh, even with your understanding of, of who you are and how you kind of treat yourself and think of yourself. Like there's, there's lots of different things there, mm-hmm. but you're not alone in this, but also helping us understand that, that there are answers to these things as well. And so if we can 
work to, to understand what's going on that really then allows us once again to respond mm -hmm. to the situations rather than simply to react. But it's actually getting those categories in our minds, mm -hmm. which is a, a, the kind of the first hurdle we have to cross. And, and once we do that, it really begins to change our, our paradigm of, of how do we think about parenting? How do we think about relationships? And all of a sudden we realize, wow, like we have, we have a lot more control and understanding of these than we previously did, which is only going to better our ability to work through those things and get towards green and have good, healthy relationships. Yeah. And yeah, something, I mean, always, I think I might say it every week is, um, the great thing about stoplight is it's a journey. And so it's just taking the tiny steps by tiny steps, little bit by little bit, um, growing in our understanding of ourselves. Um, of myself and then of the people in my life, so my children, partner, coworker, like you said, anyone, neighbor, friend, um, trying to grow and understanding uh, its journey. So thank you for being here. Sure thing. Glad I can do it. And uh, yeah, we will be discussing chapter three next week. So uh, please read chapter three and join us as we continue our discussion of signals. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Stoplight Approach podcast. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast as it will help other people to find us. The Stoplight Approach offers many resources to help families, schools, churches, and other groups to grow in their understanding of the brain and relationships. Please visit www.thestoplightapproach.org to learn more.